0: Today we're going to be completing, we're going to be finishing a series we've been in the last few weeks called Gravity. Uh, just, we've been talking about overcoming the things that are holding you down. Uh, in part one of our series Gravity, we talked about just overcoming gravity. And what is this gravity that all of us are susceptible to? Uh, you cannot escape gravity. Even on the moon, there is Gravity. And this gravity that is all around us is the gravity of sin, the gravity of of disparity, that we're all susceptible to it. And uh, so there's some things we can do to help overcome the things that want to pull us down. Talked about what gives us thrust to overcome these things. We know that when the Word of God and the Spirit of God combust in our life, it gives us this thrust, and so we have to have a commitment to the Word of God and the Spirit of God in our life. in part two, we talked about just about after kind of getting this lift, we talked about leaving the atmosphere this is, this is getting the the, the the type of velocity that can escape from the things of this earth that hold us down and so so in, in that, we were talking about having a velocity that basically we can. Escape from the things trying to hold us down, the, the things holding our potential down, the things holding our marriages down, the things holding um, our, our morality down. And so, for a spacecraft to escape Earth's atmosphere, it has to reach like 25,000 miles per hour to escape Earth's atmosphere. And so you have got to get some kind of velocity in your life, some momentum. You can't just like pop in and out of church periodically and think you're gonna get, get, and you're gonna get that great escape and the freedom you need from the things holding you down. You gotta get some velocity, you gotta run hard, you gotta have some grit to escape these things. And last week we talked about after escaping the atmosphere and getting that lift that now we ha- that there's a level of your relationship with God and we, we likened it to being in orbit, that we can stay in this higher relationship with God. There is still gravity up there, there's still gravity at the International Space Station, but gravity is far less. And there is a relationship, there is a level of your relationship with God where the things that, that used to hold you down, they don't have a grip on you any longer. Like like man I used to get so bound up by anger and jealousy and rage and lust and and unforgiveness I, that used to be me but I escaped with great velocity in running this race with God that now I'm in a relationship with God where I look back and say yeah that used to be me but it's not me that doesn't have a hold on me but even so there is still gravity even in orbit and so what we talked about last week is that if you sit, the, gravity is always the greatest when we are sitting still. And, uh, and so to remain in orbit, you have to remain at a velocity of 17,800 miles per hour to remain in orbit. If not, gravity begins to slowly pull things down towards Earth. So these are the kinds of things we talked about. And, and, to, and to stay in orbit, in other words, to stay in a thriving relationship with God, First we talked about that you had to, we need to rejoice in the gospel. We have to have some joy about our salvation, some gratitude to remember what God saved us from. We mentioned that worship helps keep us in orbit. Come on, didn't you feel like you were in orbit just a moment ago? Couldn't you feel the velocity in your life as we worship together? So don't let gravity pull your hands down. Come on, lift our hands in worship. Let's be active participants in a life of worship. We also talked about how the Holy Spirit will keep you powered to remain in orbit. And, and that finding a faithful friend brings encouragement. And if you remember encouragement, the, word, the prefix in means into, and the suffix meant means out of. Did you know that you can have the kind of friend that puts so much courage in you that courage comes out of you? You need an encouraging friend. And then we need to have some thrust. We need to have stuff that's coming out of our lives. And so it's serving, giving, loving. And this is what gives us thrust. And as we burn the fuel, God keeps filling us up. So this is kind of where we've been on this, on this series called Gravity. If you've missed any parts of this, uh, you can always catch up online, newlife 4 All of our messages are archived online there. You can find my notes online, on the website, all of that good stuff. Today we're going to complete this series and talk about muscle atrophy. Muscle atrophy. Muscle atrophy is uh, essentially, it is the wasting away of muscle mass. Um, It can be caused by the disuse of muscles. If you don't use your muscles, you lose your muscles. And um, so what happens when an astronaut is orbiting an outer space because their body doesn't have the natural level of gravity it's used to on earth their muscles don't work as hard to even like even right now you sitting in that chair you're fighting gravity to sit up and uh, and so when your body is free of that level of pull uh, muscles aren't working as hard and they be, astronauts can experience muscle atrophy their muscles will deteriorate and become weaker. So what they have to do in outer space is every single day they have to exercise at, while they're in space. And if you've ever seen them do this, like uh, because there's not a, a lot of gravity, they strap themselves down to a treadmill and they, they do some resistance training to maintain their muscle mass. Because could you imagine that when they come back to Earth, they, they would hardly be able to stand under just the, what's normal, the gravitational pull here. So muscle atrophy takes place when you have not used your muscles enough. And maybe some of you have experienced a little bit of this. Maybe after an an injury or you you had a cast or you were on crutches for a while. Um, Years ago, um, let's see, eight years ago, um, I had a sports injury in my knee. And this is how I always tell the story. I had a sports injury. Uh, the reality is, I was kicking a soccer ball around with my then twin seven-year-olds, uh, but that's a sport—real uh, <laughs> competitive, you know—a uh, 28-year-old playing soccer with two seven-year-olds. And uh, so, whenever I tell the story, I say, "Yeah, I've got this sports injury." Uh, and so, uh, so while we, I was we were playing soccer, and uh, and and I, I, I made the wrong move. Something happened, and uh, and I heard a bang in my knee and I immediately knew I was in I was in trouble so I was like boys time to go you know and limped my way to the car and uh, long story short uh, you know my wife uh, being as caring as she is she's like you need to go to the doctor and me being the stubborn mule as I am I'm like I don't need no doctor and so I'm like I'm going to give it two weeks and she's like, you can't even, like, get off the toilet. How are you going to, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, two weeks. I'm going to see what happens. So two weeks later, i mean, like, I do a little bit more. Nine months later, a uh, uh, sweet old lady at our church at the time, she came up to me after service, and she said, Pastor Devin, I've noticed that for probably months and months that every time you go up on the stage on Sunday morning, you limp up every step. And I was like, You're, she's right. I have completely altered my life around the fact that this doesn't work the way it used to. And so I made an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon and sure enough, two weeks later, I had knee surgery to repair damage in my knee that I didn't know about. So then for a week, I was on uh, crutches. And after a week on crutches, uh, uh, you know, I get approved to go to physical therapy. And uh, when I, the first time I put that foot down on the ground, it was numb and tingly and, and uh, my surgeon explained to me that even though I haven't walked on my leg for seven days, seven days, he said, you have lost a lot of muscle mass. I'm like, in seven days? He said, in seven days. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so we gotta get you into physical therapy just to get back to the normal strength and then also to, to strengthen your knee to prevent further injury. And, and sure enough, man, like, seven days of not walking on my leg, Um, I I, I was blown away by the little strength that I had in my leg. Yet there's Christians today that sit in rows of churches all around the world on a weekly basis, and there are muscles that they haven't flexed in a really long time. And there is a muscle atrophy that we experience as believers because we, we don't use the stuff we've got. We get too comfortable, we're in orbit, we don't have the resistance of, of the things that we used to struggle with, and we're just cruising through life, we're just cruising in the Christian world, and, but and the reality is muscle atrophy is setting in. And I want to talk about some of these things where muscle atrophy uh, sets in to our own lives. And now I pray, I, I, I pray that everyone experiences a weightlessness from the the things that have burdened you. I pray that you will experience freedom and liberty from the things that have held you down. I pray that all of us will enter into this higher relationship with God. I hope you connect with God. I hope to see your habits of your life change. I hope to see that you change the environments in which you live and and, and entertain, And, and maybe even change the friends that you have or influences in your life that keep pulling you down and I pray that you will never be pulled down again. But if you isolate yourself into just this perfect gravity-free zone for too long and stay in what I call the church bubble, you will be disoriented from the real world and real hurting people that, they, that need Jesus the most. And we can become so internally focused that we say, I need more of Jesus for me, and we forget about the people that need Jesus the most. And so, Revelation 2, 3, it says, you have uh, uh, persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. In other words, we, got us, we do have to have some interaction with some gravity some, some in, to build endurance from time to time. In the, second two, in the next two verses say this. Yet I hold this against you. This is a letter to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. It, it, beforehand, it praised them for a lot of things. But then it says this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. I love the zeal and tenacity of a new believer. When somebody escapes from darkness to light, from the mirey clay and their feet are on the rock, from death to life. When that switch clicks and they have given their life to Jesus, they have such zeal. They're like, all my friends need this Jesus. I'm going to go change my entire workplace. I've watched where young people, students, when they get saved, they're like, I'm going to go win my entire campus for Christ. And I'm like, you go. You go. You run hard. Let's do this. And over time, what happens? We begin to experience a little bit of muscle atrophy in that zeal. Think about when you were first saved. Did you have that kind of zeal? I mean, I, I remember when, when the Lord completely transformed my life and faith became my own. Man, I would to church six days a week. I would serve to set up and tear down and to clean. I'd serve in the nursery, I'd work with kids, I was on the worship team, I'd sing. I would do all these crazy things because I was in love with God. I was transformed by his power. I had first love. Oh, you remember first love. You remember the love you first had when you met your spouse? You remember the first love you had when you first met your child when they were born? What happens? Atrophy can set in. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and what? Do the things you did at first. So the first thing I wanna talk about is the atrophy of your testimony. The atrophy of your testimony. Do not forget the heights from which you have fallen. Do not forget. This was the greatest problem of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert. They continue to time and time again forget what God had done in their lives. Like, how do you forget that God split the Red Sea and you crossed on dry ground? How do you forget that? How do you forget a pillar of fire by by night and a pillar of smoke by day? How do you forget fresh manna on the ground every morning? But, but the scripture tells us, you can read in Psalm 106, it really maps it all out of how time and time they would forget, and then they'd fall into idolatry, they'd fall into immorality, all of these things because they did one thing, they forgot. They forgot their testimony. They had a testimony of how God rescued them from 400 years of slavery, 10 plagues, the, the, uh, God split the Red Sea, and they would forget these things. They forgot their story and would fall into sin. Don't let atrophy of your testimony cause you to forget the heights from which you have fallen. Don't forget the dark pit that God found you in when he rescued you. Don't forget. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You have a testimony. And it's important not to forget your story. Uh, Even if your story is, is dark and you don't wanna go back there and you don't wanna relive that, it's important to remember what God saved you from. It's important that you tell your story. And your testimony, if you're like, I don't think I have a testimony. You have a testimony. This is your testimony. Your testimony is your life before Christ, how you came to Christ, and life after Christ. And so it's, I, I, I encourage you to, to this week, really think about your testimony. Think about your life before Christ. Think about how you came to Christ. And think about your life after Christ. And, and then begin to put together that story, and I encourage you that, to pray that God would give you opportunity to share your story with somebody. Your story will compel other people, because some people will see themselves in your story. Well, you know, before, you see, my life at rock bottom looked like this. I was lost, I was alone, I had these horrible habits, and then I found Christ because someone shared this with me or because I walked into a church service and some, I had a dream at night, whatever your story is, and then after Christ let me tell you all that God has done for me. That's inspiring. You see, you see, that is overcoming by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I wanna encourage you to tell your story. Tell your story. Maybe in your life group this week, like share your story with somebody. Maybe, maybe sometime uh, with a family member, tell your story. There's power in your testimony because it helps you remember, but also it's powerful for witness. So don't let atrophy set into your testimony. Remember the heights from which we have fallen. Tell your story, life before Christ, how you found Christ, life after Christ. Tell your story, atrophy of your testimony also what happens over time, the more that we have, maybe we have escaped these things that hold us down and we're in this beautiful relationship with God and we're experiencing kind of this weightlessness and freedom, Uh, but then what happens over time in the Christian walk is atrophy of your witness. Atrophy of your witness. That we no longer have this burden in our heart for lost people. We just like Showing up and worshiping and getting in our groups and serving and feeling good and and, and raising our families and having strong marriages. And all of these things are great, but we can't lose the burden that our heart be broken for lost people. Because my, my fear is that over time, the more that we are internally focused on our relationship with God, and you should be, we forget that heaven and hell are still a reality and there are people in this world that are dying and struggling and addicted and they're lonely and they need Jesus. We did not get saved just to sit around in this church and wait for God to call us home. We did not get our ticket to heaven, put it in our pocket, and just wait till they call our boarding zone. We were saved to serve. We were saved and became a part of an army. We were saved, and now we are actively to be involved in the mission of God in this world. And this is the mission of God, to seek and to save all that are lost. How is God going to seek and save those that are lost? His church. That's not this structure. That's not this. It's you and it's me. Don't allow atrophy to set into your witness because heaven and hell are a reality. For many years I was a uh, I, I was what we call bivocational pastor. In other words, I, uh, I, I worked for churches that could, could pay me like maybe a little bit, right? But I had to provide for my family by having other work. And I have been blessed for uh, several years to, to dedicate my whole life full-time to the ministry. I think it's one of the greatest privileges in all the world to do what I do. It's, it's really, really phenomenal. But for, for, there were several years of my life where I worked sometimes two or three jobs to be in ministry. And I'll never forget the first time uh, uh, a church brought me on full-time. It was in Indianapolis. I was a full-time worship and youth pastor. Um, I'll never forget when the first few months, I had something in me that was just like felt unsatisfied. And I realized that I was deeply missing when I had other work outside the church. Because when I had other work outside the church, I got to know lost people. I got to rub shoulders with them. They didn't know me as pastor sometimes. I got to just be a witness. I got to engage people in conversation about their life, their faith. I would try to, I would encourage. I'd even secretly bring people in my office, lay hands on them, and pray demons out of them. Like, like I missed that. I miss when someone was, I could tell was struggling at work, and I'd pull them aside and say, Hey, what's going on? Your performance is dropping. Da, 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 da. And then they just like break down and tell me about the struggles in their life. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, listen, there is hope for you. And, and I'd cl- close the door, close the door. Yeah, yeah, close the door, close the door. And I'd uh, You know, I'd be like, <laughs> Okay, I wasn't that crazy. But I'd be like, Let's pray. I'm gonna pray for you, just don't tell anybody. But I'm gonna pray for you, know. Uh, and so here I am, and I realized after a few months of being in the ministry full time, I was like, man, I feel like I live in a church bubble. And I have no exposure to the lost. I, my church has people exposed to the lost, but do I personally have it? Like they go to work, they go to the marketplace, but where's my mission field? I'm like, yes, like the church is my mission field. Uh, You know, I'm to equip the saints for the work of service. I get that. But there's still something in me that wants to be actively participating in the mission of God in our world, which is seeking and saving that which is lost. And so I became tenacious about a neighbor. We're still friends to this day. He lives down in the south side of Indianapolis. I became tenacious about building relationships out in the world. And so I've always had to have some kind of outlet where I know lost people. And when I came to Kokomo, like, I still have that outlet. Uh, and I, I try to use my natural interest because if you use something you're naturally interested to, people of that interest can gather about it and then you can just let your life be on display and you can ultimately preach the gospel. And for me, that, t- today, that's, that's golf. Um, I, I love to golf, I'm, I'm a plus handicap, uh, and, and so it helps when you're good at something too. People are like people are a little bit more attracted to that. But but I golf, and, and at my golf club I, I'm known as preacher, and and I've had random people come up to me on on the first tee, come rolling up, and they say, Hey, you. I'm like, Yes. Like, are you preacher? I'm like, Yes. I hear you hit it a long way and they shake my hand, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but, but uh, building relationships, ha- having that outlet to no lost people and I, I love it like when I'm into a round of uh, uh, golfing with somebody and, and I always ask him this question, tell me what you do and, and recently I was playing in this tournament with this guy and I said, tell me what you do. He says, I'm a physician, I'm a doctor in, in Kokomo. Oh, oh, that's wonderful and uh and what do you think he asked me back? What, what, what do you do? I'm like, I pastor a church. I am so sorry for all the things I've said, pastor. <laughs> That's the immediate response. I am so sorry for my language, my crude behavior. Uh, I don't, usually don't drink this heavily. Uh, I'm like, hey, I'm a big boy, I can handle it, it's okay. And then he watched him start trying to clean it up you know, throughout the round, but I love it. Tell me about your life, tell me about your wife, tell me about your kids, and, uh, and like we're in tournament golf, right? And I'm just like, tell me about your life, tell me about what you're struggling with. And then afterwards, you know, I, I, there's been guys in tears sitting in a golf cart together, and I'm like, you know what? Like, like I, I don't know about you, I need that. I, I need to know lost people. I don't want to just live in a Christian bubble, the word says be in the world but not of the world okay I got out of this world right like like through the atmosphere orbit with Jesus but I'm still in the world because this is where the mission of God is this is the mission of God is to seek and save that which is lost Mark 16 uh, 15 says he said to them Jesus said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation I wonder just how much of the world of Kokomo our church is going to every week. Different neighborhoods, different places of of career, all kinds of different relationships, and and I'm here to tell you, New Life Church, to go. Go into all our world. Live, teach, preach, encourage. This gospel It's the power of God for salvation. Do not let atrophy set in to your witness in what you're called to do. Mark 16, 20 says, Then the disciples went out, preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Things happen when we have the faith to go. Because Acts 1, 8 It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my Pentecostal people. It's not what it says. It says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's still more earth to get to. So here's here's my question to you, New Life. Who are you actively reaching? I think if we all really took a moment to pray about this and say, Lord, put one person in my heart that I can actively begin to pursue. Now, don't go scare them. Just go pay relational rent. How can you build that relationship? With my neighbor, it started with, when I took my garbage cans up, i take his up. When I, when I knew he was going to be away, i say, I'll mow your grass. It started when I would mow his grass and he wouldn't even ask. And I know it better than him anyway, so it made the whole neighborhood look better. How can you serve? You see, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So if you, if you, if you God, who am I actively reaching? Okay, now how can I serve them? If you pay enough relational rent, then you'll, you'll earn the ability to speak into their life. Say, no, tell me what's going on. That sounds That sounds hard. Can, do you mind if I pray about that? Actually, I would appreciate you pray about that. Then this is what you do. Well, let's pray right now. You're like, pfft, I thought you'd go home, kneel at your bed before you go to sleep tonight and pray for it. You no, know, let's pray right now. And do it with authenticity and relationship. Don't, don't, be, ugh, don't, be, don't be TV Pentecostal preacher on them. Be, be like Jesus with them. Be relational. Be authentic with them. Yeah, yeah, and let's be the kind of church that we would want our neighbor to come to. Let's be the kind of church that we want lost people to come to, where they can come and, and feel loved and accepted so they can hear the truth of the gospel and, and repent and change their life. Don't allow atrophy to come into your witness. It's not on the screen, but Romans 10, I love what Romans 10, 13 through 15 says. It says, for all, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they don't even believe in yet? And how can they believe in someone that they haven't even heard about? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them or telling them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. Listen, new life. I'm sending you on behalf I'm just an ambassador here but on behalf of the king he has sent me here today to tell you to go to tell you to go to the marketplaces to your neighborhood into your family to your friends and be carriers of this gospel because how can they believe if they don't know And how can they know if they don't hear? And how do they hear if no one is telling them? So I commission you to be a part of God's greatest commission to go into all the earth and preach the gospel. And if you will do that, please respond by saying, I will. Okay, some of you will. That's good. It's progress. So atrophy of your testimony, don't forget where you come from. Atrophy of your witness, don't forget what we're called to, be a part of the mission of God in the world. And, and third is atrophy of grace. Atrophy of grace surprises me. This is what surprises me about some, some you know, like, I've, been, I've seen a lot of Christian people in my life. What surprises me is how every single believer got into the kingdom of God by grace. And then how some want others to come in by works. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. You got in by grace. But you want to judge and make them come in by works? That's not how this works. Atrophy of grace. Atrophy of grace is sometimes that the longer we have been isolated in the church bubble, in the Christian world, isolated ourselves from lost people, that we can lose grace... For the lost, it, it, it looks like becoming uncomfortable around people that are acting like the sinners that they are. It's like we become uncomfortable when we encounter sin. It's like when we're out in the world and maybe we're, we're standing in line somewhere for some kind of service and the person in front of us is acting like a sinner. And we quickly judge them. I oh, can't believe it. Don't allow the atrophy of grace into your whole life that we don't lose the compassion we have for people that are lost. And lost people will act lost. Don't, don't lose the atrophy of grace that there will be people that walk into our church, that live a lifestyle that you do not agree with. And a lifestyle that, we, that, that scripturally we stand on what the scripture says. But do not lose the compassion that those are, they still are bearers of the image of God and Jesus came, he bore stripes on his back, nails in his hands in order to rescue them from that. Don't don't, don't have atrophy of grace. Let, let's, let's have broken hearts for lost people. And, and so, so uh, atrophy of grace is being quick to judge those on the outside and we lose compassion for those that need Christ the most. Luke 6, says, do to others as you would have them do unto you. Don't, don't, don't lose that. Don't even lose that amongst each other in Christian community. Don't, don't lose that essential piece of following Jesus, this, the atrophy of grace. Treat others how you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, and so what? <laughs> it, it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. That's easy. If you do good to those who do good to you, so what? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting uh, to get anything back, and then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because, guess what? He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. I don't know about you, I find it difficult to be kind to ungrateful people. That's tough. But it says, because our God is kind to ungrateful people. And you know how I know that's true? Because he's kind to me and you. It says God is kind to wicked people. You know how I know that's true? Because he's been kind to me and you. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Don't allow the atrophy of grace to deteriorate compassion in your heart. I do have to confess something. This says, do not lend to others without spe- expecting anything in return. And uh, I had this little thought come in my head. I'm just, just going to confess it right now. The other night, uh, I was at the gas station. I needed to put fuel in my car. I knew it was going to cost about $60. Ugh. And so I was like, all right, 60 bucks, gas in the tank. This gentleman comes up next to me and says, hey, sir, just wondering if you could, if you have anything. I'm trying to get somewhere. I have no gas. I've got five miles to empty. I got no money. I'm like, sorry man, I don't have any cash. He says, well, I don't need cash, but if you can just like, swipe your thing and give me a little bit of gas. And uh, you know that feeling, it's like gas is 380 whatever a gallon, and man. And I said, I'll tell you what, I was gonna put $60 in my car. I can't afford to give you gas, so here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna split it with you. I'm gonna put 30 in mine, and 30 in yours. But then I asked for something in return. (laughs) I said, I said, I just want you to do one thing. I want you to go online, and I want you to give New Life Church a five-star Google review. And uh, he's like, I'll do that. And he didn't do it, but it's okay. Uh, by the way, if you would like to give your church a five-star, I want five-star Google reviews. It will actually help people find our church. Okay. That's just my funny story of how afterwards I was like, Lord, why did I do that? Like I I asked him, I was like, I'll give this to you if you give this five-star review. Just telling on myself, okay, don't mind me. Number four, we got to move on. Number four, atrophy that leads, get this, to spiritual pride. The longer we do this thing, the more you think you know. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you, the longer I do this thing, the more I realize I don't. Atrophy that leads to spiritual pride, instead of being active in the mission of God, atrophy can set in and become spiritual pride of a I, knew, I know better than them mentality. Uh, I, I, I know more Bible. I know what's theologically correct. Or I know what I would do if I was the pastor. I wouldn't do it that way. I think that's Ridiculous becoming internally focused on how we want church to be on how we want music to be how we want the preaching to be how we want ministry programs to be arguing on internal things all while people out there are dying and going to hell we argue about the color of the walls or we argue about what's being on the announcements or, man, Pastor Devin says the thing, same thing about connection cards every single week. It's kind of annoying. But yeah, this is because you're here every single week and that's good. Some people are not here every single week and, and we want to connect with them. So get over it. I don't know what to tell you. Like, get over it. Like, that's not, obviously that portion of the service is not for you. It's not for you. But when you were here for the very first time and you filled out that connect card, you know why? because I said the same thing to you then, okay? Atrophy that leads to spiritual pride. Criticizing, I don't know why this is, but for some that remain in spiritual immaturity, the longer they remain in the spiritual immaturity and in the Christian bubble, they become highly critical of other Christians, specifically Christian leaders, specifically Christian pastors and extremely, extremely critical. So this is the atrophy that leads to spiritual pride. And ultimately, the longer we remain in this thing, if we don't don't try to really analyze ourselves and keep ourselves accountable, it, it leads to this spiritual pride where we become consumers of Christianity and not active in the mission. And I'm talking about when we want church a certain way. I want church a certain way uh, because we live in a very consumer-driven culture listen I- i'm not here to sell you a product i'm not going i'm not trying to make new life church better than the church down the street so that you come here that's, that's, uh, i'm not interested in that i'm interested in the gospel that is the power of god for salvation i believe in excellence i believe that we want to serve you the best we can but at the end of the day This church doesn't function because of a staff of people that serve you. This church functions because we as a church take up the mantle of the mission of God and we carry it together. And we serve. We're active participants. So don't allow atrophy of spiritual pride to set in where you become a Christianity consumer. I want it this way. I want this flavor. I want this style. Mm. Don't let that atrophy to set in. But can we agree On purpose, on mission, to love God, love people, love sharing God with people. And if we can agree on that, and if we can be unified in that, oh, devil, you are in some trouble. Because there is a church that is more than consumer things. There is a church committed to a mission to seek and save everything that is lost. And we won't be divided on frivolous internal things the more we become internally focused the church plateaus every single time the church plateaus but if we remain externally focused we get outside the christian bubble we we don't allow atrophy to set in we can change our world matthew chapter 7 verse 1 speaking of this atrophy that leads to spiritual pride do not judge or you'll be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged And with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. Many pastors will use this scripture to talk about giving. The measure you use will be measured back to you. And and I believe that God will bless you for your generosity, but that is not what this is talking about. This is talking about judging others. Okay, so it will be measured back to you in that way. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take that speck out of your eye, when... At, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love how uh, the Message Bible puts it. The Message Bible is a paraphrase Bible; it's not a translation. But this is how the Message Bible puts that same verse. It says, "Don't pick on people. <laughs> Don't pick on people." Don't jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Th- that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It comes back to you, doesn't it? It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious of the ugly sneer on your own. <laughs> Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt. It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Don't let, allow atrophy to set in that leads to spiritual pride. But I have good news for you. Even after my knee surgery and I had muscle atrophy in my right leg from not walking on it for seven days, uh, I got better. It recovered. And there is a way that you can have this level of relationship with God where the things of this world just don't pull you down at much any longer, but you can maintain strength and battle against atrophy In your Christian walk and muscle atrophy can be reversed with exercise so it is important in the Christian walk to exercise these things we're talking about to exercise your testimony to exercise being a witness to exercise showing grace to people Show exercise by being humble and giving others the benefit of the doubt. I invite you to exercise areas of your Christian walk and it might feel tingly at first because you've not done it in a while. You might be uncertain that you can stand on that foot of being a witness. But how can you serve someone that God's called you to reach? Come on, we are called to follow Jesus, not just consume him. So we have to take up our own cross and follow him. I want you to reach a level of relationship with God where it feels freeing and liberating, but I don't want you to be stuck in just the Christian bubble that you're consuming Christianity and you forget what lost people look like or how they act or how to love them and serve them and reach them and not be offended because they need Jesus. I want you to, to grow and be free, and, but I don't want you to grow critical. I, I don't want you to just become a consumer, and I don't want you to, 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 to become spiritually prideful. But I want you to grow. I want you to know. I want you to be active, and we can do that. Let's exercise these things. Let's stand together. I've gone five minutes longer than I like, but he said it's all right. And Gary Graves always tells me that I go shorter than he wishes I did. And all those serving in the kids' ministry would disagree with Gary. (laughs) Would you just lift your hands for a moment? Ooh, some of you, you're like, I've not done that in a while. Yeah, lift your hands. God, we remember the height from which we have fallen. We are full of gratitude for our salvation. God, we want to be committed not to our agendas, but to your mission for the world, to seek and to save that which is lost. Help us, God, this week, that you would help us identify the areas of our walk with you that we've not, we've not stretched that muscle out in a while. Help us, God, to return to the things we did at first. Some of us used to be more devoted to your scripture on a daily basis because we were hungry for it. Stir up that hunger again. Some of us used to lift our hands and sing loud and worship because of that. just that remembrance of what you've done. Lord, help us to remember that causes us to worship again. Some of us used to keep a list of people we were praying for that need you. Let's get that list back out, and let's get back to our knees and begin to intercede for the lost. Some of us used to serve a neighbor just to, to try to be a light into their world and pay relational rent. Lord, Lord, would you put someone in our path that we can serve with the love and grace of God again? And even so, in doing that, that you would lead us into opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because what if the person at our workplace, the person in our neighborhood, what if we are the closest thing to Jesus they have in their life? And we're not being the reflection you've called us to be. Don't, Lord, we don't want atrophy to set into our witness, our mission, our call. Lord, help those of us, Lord, that sometimes we get a little bit of spiritual pride and we think we know what we're doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. But God, may we crawl up on your lap, hear your heartbeat, and go do what we heard. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Are your shoulders tired? Mine are a little tired. You do that a little bit more often. God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. We'll see you in groups, if not before. I pray you have a great, great week. Love you.